As always, um, also named Chris. So, uh, Chris, are you ready? Hi, everybody. Hey, buddy. Speaking of America, mm-hmm. I wanted to stop, start the show with this. So, uh, our listeners probably don't know and don't care, but this is our 200th episode. Mm. So, a birthday of sorts, wouldn't you say, Chris? Hooray! Happy birthday to you. 200. Yay! Feels like only yesterday we were doing our hundredth episode at uh, Weaver's Weaver's Bar and Sports Book and Wings. I think it was what it ultimately was called. <laughs> we had Mike, we had Eric, we had my little sister. What a! That's right. And now we have nothing. We have us remotely. Just, <laughs> just, just the way it goes. We did want to do. You, we were going to do like a mailbag. We were going to be like, oh, our two hundredth episode is going to be like listener questions only. And uh, yeah, I chickened out. <laughs> I was afraid we wouldn't get any messages. I was afraid we wouldn't get any messages. So maybe we'll, we'll do... I'm not sure we have any listeners, so... I exactly, think exactly my point. So we, exactly. I'm... Listen, if you have a... <laughs> we can't even find out what our email account is. Like, I know we have one. Maybe we'll do a listener episode, yeah, a, a mailbag episode. there's a ton of email questions in there. There probably is. I don't know what, they, I don't know what it is. They're we set up an email fun. account years ago. We never did anything with it. Bob's your uncle. Um... So we're gonna if if the demand is there, we'll do a, a a listener episode. I know that I do get a lot of text messages from my friends who are listeners after the show, mm-hmm. usually berating us. And mm-hmm. uh, and before we get into like which which one of those m- most recently <laughs> occurred to us, uh, I there is another birthday today that I think is equally as important. And uh, this is courtesy of of uh, Bob Ballard. Uh, he texted his son-in-law this morning, Eric, uh, who was on our 100th episode. To remind him that today is Sergeant Slaughter's birthday, so oh. there you go. Happy hey. we we share the same birthday as Sergeant Slaughter. You don't get any more American than that, Chris. We sure don't. One of my favorite GI Joe characters turned wrestler turned. I know the other way around. Wrestler turned GI Joe character, right? Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Chicken or the egg? I don't know which came first. I'm gonna guess the wrestler. Probably. So yes, yeah, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh. A wrestler I don't ever ever remember wrestling. Do you remember? I mean, he had a cool... Yeah, like he barely. Lo- he looks like... I know he was on the shows. Like, he was... Like, when there was a cartoon, there were, like, the bad guys, and then there were yeah. the good guys, and he was just kind of in the middle. Like, he didn't even, yeah. like... He didn't really... He wasn't, like, a heel. I, I couldn't even... Would, would, like, I'm not sure what he, I think he was caught in limbo because of... Because of, like, with the G.I. Joe thing, and then he got a little more popular, and then we're like, oh, what do we actually do with this guy? Um, also... So oh, uh, the the GI Joe action figure compared to the real thing is they're they're like two totally different looking people. Like yeah, he's all ripped and buffed he's out, out and like in in, in GI Joe and cartoons or whatever. And like in real life, he's just kind of a heavy set fat dude. Yeah, I mean, it, I so I guess he was, I guess he was a wrestler first. Okay, Robert Remus was a wrestler first, and then uh, and then became a, a GI Joe toy and then was incorporated into this series yeah that's the that's the thing i don't think this guy was ever a sergeant (laughs) (laughs) 
You don't say. No. I don't think he ever served in the military, unfortunately. Um, and I don't. Yeah, like, I think he was like, he started so early. I, you know what? Here's what I've got to say about Sergeant Slaughter. I think he wrestled so little or so infrequently that he is now like in his 70s and probably just fine. Where you look at these yeah. other guys and they're in their 50s and they fucking can barely walk and their like lives have crumbled. Like this guy rested like he, this guy got to be he, uh, he got to be like a just known for his chin. He's like the Bill Cower of wrestling. Like not that good. Yeah. Not that good. I don't think he ever won a championship. Just a just a known guy. Just a known American hero. So I don't know. Apparently if he, he was pushed as a villainous character when he first signed with WWE in 1980. I think he might have been pushed to. I think he was also like a. Uh, he they brought him back as a heel at one point too. Like there was a turn, a turn there. Where yeah, he, a couple turns and maybe I don't know. I hope anyway. he, I hope he made some money on those toys. I really do. <laughs> he, he must have. Um, he must have because otherwise he's not really one to sort of discuss and talk about. The only other toy I can remember that what GI Joe, which I loved, was was William Perry, which I think we've talked about on the show before. The fridge had a. The fridge had a G.I. Joe toy, too. Yeah, he got one, too. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. There's not, I don't know who's doing that, that cool. anymore. Are, yeah. there to- are there toys for boys anymore? Are there boy toys? <laughs> well, there are, Chris, but... <laughs> That's something totally different now. Um, like, what do boys play with? Uh, you're going to have to ask Jerry Falwell about that. <laughs> Seriously, though, Chris, what toys can little boys play with? Uh, what do what uh, little boys know. play with, Chris? Uh, Chris, what they, um, what can little boys like handle? Kind of big. <laughs> what can they fondle? Oh yeah, Legos. That's it. Legos, Legos are, are still big. Legos all, are big. Like all the kids that I know, they, they all play with. Yeah, Legos. and they and they've and they've got like Star Wars Legos. So there's like that cro- That's that's yeah. that's the and big. Still, like, there's still a ton of toys. The kids, I mean, like young kids too. Like I don't know, as they get older, maybe it's more video games and. Um, yeah, definitely more video games. Those those tactile tactile toys are become less important. Yeah, yeah. Like virtual toys. Right. Uh, well, but you know, like sports too are still big for kids. I think. Sports. Yeah, they go out and they play like flag football or soccer or something. You know that kind yeah. of stuff. Oh yeah, as their toy. I guess I just feel like yeah, as like activities to do. I don't even know what I did with with a uh, like GI Joe still exists. What did you do with the GI Joe? Like I just made I set mine up to like play like in a band. Like I would always like I'd be like <laughs> Snake Eyes, you're on drums, and I'd put like toothpicks in his hands. <laughs> Chris, I played with. G.I. Joe's the way they were meant to be played, with war, shooting each other, and killing each other. Chris. Well, I mean, I eventually blew all mine up with with firecrackers, of course. Mm. Like any mm. like any good kid. I, I blew them all up. I didn't do that. Oh, I didn't you do didn't? that. Because I, like, I liked my G.I. Joe toys, and I, I wanted to like preserve them in, in, within the sense of playing with them, though. Then what'd you do with them? Where are they now? I believe... I don't know if I actually got rid of him or not, or if my mom probably has him somewhere. My brother maybe took him in his, like, he, my brother saves everything, so he might have taken all, like, the old toys and stuff. That's My cool. mom, for years and years, wanted us to save everything. That's so just cool. Just you know, like, we had kids. <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, that, I, you know what? Like, I, that, that's, it, that's touching, because I, I, uh, wow, that's really, I, I kind of wish I had some of that shit. Like, I, I don't know if I still do, though, because I, I, like, you know, moving from Seattle, and, I know we sort of we sort of split a lot of that stuff. I I think a lot of it was in my dad's attic, and now like after after we kind of cleaned out his place, I don't remember exactly what we did or what what happened to him. 
But like mostly usually my brother's like he has like a whole like half a basement that's kind of unfinished. So I think he was like, Oh, I'll just take everything. What was your favorite toy when you were a kid? Like did you have Star Wars toys? I had Star Wars toys. Honestly, yeah. and uh, yeah, I was just going to say, before you get too touching and sentimental about this stuff, my mom decided to sell all the Star Wars toys sold in a garage sale uh, without telling me and realizing that that actually was probably worth actually some money. Well, I mean. At the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I've, now, told, I think but... I've told this story before on the podcast, but my dad and I went to a, went to a, like a flea market once and bought all of the football cards off of these ladies who were selling their kids football cards for a nickel a piece. And we got like all like every, every old football, like Frank Gifford, like Johnny Unites, like we just robbed these people knowing full well that we were robbing them. And like yeah. to this day, my dad's like, I don't know why we didn't just give them five bucks and take all their cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars, cor- Star Wars toys were like kind of bullshit. Like I, I feel like I'd really turned GI Joe because Star Wars they could, they didn't move enough. Yeah, once GI Joe got the kung fu grip and everything and the bendable elbows, the and stuff, bendable elbows are a turn are a huge point and like the turning point. Like if Star Wars toys would have been able to like lift their arms more than like you know like a just a straight a line. straight up and down. Yeah, because I mean how yeah, you even fight with yeah. like the it was done like that you do the you do the the fighting with the lightsabers and they would, you just have to kind of turn the guys with their arms fully <laughs> stretched out. Yeah. Like nothing. Can, yeah. You just be like, here, yeah. Luke time passed them by. Although they work. Do you remember like the, this is so boring, but do you remember like the lightsabers were inside their arms and you yeah. just kind of slid yeah. it down that and it cool. came out. That yep. was pretty cool. Yep. Until you broke up a little tab, which helped yep. push and then the you were fucked. out and then you were, yeah. Yep. 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 Wow. It was a good idea though. Yeah, I mean, for its time, it was great. Toys, mm. weird. Toys for boys. Yeah. Toys for boys. Next <laughs> week, we'll be touching on uh, <laughs> He-Man oh, and the he- Masters he- in the Universe. Easy <laughs> there, buddy. This show is, show is called Toys for Boys. Enough of the touching. You don't want to touch on He-Man? Uh, I liked He-Man toys, too. They actually, those were actually, because they were a little bit bigger, too, which I thought was a nice thing. Yeah, they were you know, bigger. I like, I like big toys. You, yeah, you like <laughs> touching on He-Man's big toy. Because <laughs> um, they were like, because that was the only problem with G.I. Joe's and Star Wars is they were so small. Like, what you know, as you got a little bit older, it, was, it wasn't as easy to like sort of <laughs> handle them. It's a laugh factory uh, over here in yeah, two, episode yeah. two. <laughs> well, we got to laugh about something, I guess. But here's something we, we're not allowed to laugh at, Chris. I'm going to do a little pivot. Um, yep. uh, <laughs> podcast listener and contributor RJ Weaver sent me and a random person named Chris a very scathing text message the other morning upon listening to our Denzel versus Samuel <laughs> Jackson dispute. Uh, then the person wrote back and was like, I'm sorry, I don't think you mean to send this to me. To which RJ doubled down and was like, go fuck yourself. Don't even step to Alan Alda. Uh, <laughs> and the person was like, I'm sorry, I don't know who this is. <laughs> like, and then he like was like, oh shit. And so I screenshotted that, sent it to you. Uh, the reason RJ got so hyped up, uh, I don't even think, I think he just heard the word Denzel and lost his mind. Because RJ will defend yeah. to death any, I mean, Denzel 
in specifically, but he will defend anyone that went to Fordham University. He holds that alumni dear to his heart. And I mm-hmm. knew that Alan Alda was coming next because that's good for him. Like, that's the one-two punch of uh, of Fordham University. You got your Denzel, you got oh, your Alan okay. Alda. They're they're the two big. They're the two heavyweights. Of, and of they're the heavyweights. Then you quickly drop down to like Captain Kangaroo and like Dermot Mc, <laughs> D- Dylan McDermott. Like it's. There's a, br- a big gap. It's a, it's, a, it's a big gap. That said, that said, all, very. Wait, can we go after Dylan McDermott? I would be nervous. Okay. And I definitely right. wouldn't step to Captain Kangaroo for Christ's sake. Like, I just wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't at all. It's interesting, though. Right. I thought when I saw Captain Kangaroo was an alumni there, how Pittsburgh really embraces, like, Fred Rogers. And Pittsburgh's a smaller town, but they're, they, like, they. Fred Rogers has like murals here. It's like it's it's he's he's legend here. Fred Mr. Rogers legend here. I didn't even know fucking Captain Kangaroo is from New York, let alone went to Fordham in the Bronx. Like yeah. New York yeah. should be embracing Captain Kangaroo more. That guy as far as I know never diddled any kids, like which is outstanding. Like I loved Captain Kangaroo when I was a kid. Mr. Green Jeans yeah. was my dude. Uh <laughs> I just feel like there's not enough not enough Captain Kangaroo love. Um Yeah. You know? Yeah. What are boy, what are boys with their toys supposed to be watching? But <laughs> <laughs> if they're not watching Captain Kangaroo and Mr. Green Jeans. <laughs> so I'm just picture this. I'm a little kid. I'm I'm a boy with my toy. I'm playing with my big toys and my little toys and I'm watching Mr. Green Jeans. Like how come kids don't have that opportunity anymore? <laughs> anyway, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Alan Alda, let's get to the point. Alan yep. Alda is an American hero. I'm a little offended RJ would even suggest that we would go after Alan Alda, specifically because we've, on this show, we've touted his we greatness. We've praised him before. We've praised him. We've done entire mash episodes. We have, we've, I mean, I, we've mm-hmm. treated him as a, as a surrogate father. Like, he's, he's been there for us. Like, he, he, I'm, I'm terrified of the day when there is no Alan Alda to celebrate on earth but but that said i even in death i'm sure alan alda like not unlike jesus christ will be just as powerful and in fact might resurrect like i who knows more powerful even maybe more powerful now yeah. uh the reason alan alda touches it i can i have a specific example of alan alda touching a nerve for me uh one night i was watching the movie i believe it was like the longest ride is what it was called it's a rom-com it's based on a Nicholas Sparks book. I was watching it with my wife. It's got it's lady porn. It's real lady porn. Like there's an entire scene that's worth watching where he's like doing like a practice ride on a bull with this lady. It's very sensual. Ugh. But Alan Alda makes a cameo in it, and my wife goes, "I feel sorry for that old man." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That old man? You mean?" You mean Alan Alda, the great my wife, who is in medical school, mind you, like Alan Alda, who starred in one of the most important medical dramas slash comedies in the history of the world, like Alan, like my wife, six-time Emmy Award winner and Golden Globe winner, Alan Alda, like Ooh. my wife, the diminished to feeling sorry for because he was an old man. <laughs> so, I then bought her like the history of Mash. I've made her oh. watch. I made her watch The Four Seasons, which is a, my favorite Alan Alda movie. It's un- incredible. Um, it's a great early 80s piece. Um, 
Now she respects Alan Alda. When when she would see him on like Parks and Rec, she was like Alan Alda. Now she knows who Alan Alda is. So to you, R.J. Weaver, I say boo. I say boo to mm-hmm. you because you do yeah. not understand how deep seated mine and Chris's love of Alan Alda is. We, I could say, probably definitively, I've seen every single episode of Mash at least once, if not twice. I uh, I respect him as a human being. I also worked for the World Science Festival of which Alan Alda is a member of the board. I have worked mm. directly with him. So don't come at me, RJ. Yeah. Don't come at us. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guns don't own blazing. Alan Alda. Guns are blazing. You don't own Alan Alda. Yeah. You don't have the rights to him. You don't have the rights to him. Everybody loves Alan Alda. Every, exactly. Exactly. Like saying like, don't go after Alan Alda is like saying, don't go after, I don't know. Who's who's someone who's like Barack Obama? The son. <laughs> the son. It's the Alan air. Alda and the son. Right. Like those are things breathing? people like people sometimes they just oh, that's too like you it's too bright out. Yeah. It's the sun. Uh, it fuels ooh. the world. It gives us yeah. energy. It's Alan Alda and the Sun. Those are the Yeah. Those are the two most Alan Alda is vitamin D. Alan Alda is vitamin D. <laughs> I wonder if there's an Alan Alda action figure. Hello. <laughs> I promise you they made mash dolls. I promise you they made mash dolls. They had to. Have. Oh, they had to. Have. They had to. Have. I'm yeah, buying one yeah. right now. I'm buying you one for your birthday. Um, no, thanks. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. Like, it, I wasn't going to let it slide. I wasn't going to be like, oh, you're just going to accuse us of like, put, like, don't put us in that room, RJ. Don't put us also, in the room. Yeah, also... I, I want to say, like, I started, I, I went back and I started looking at his like filmography or whatever, and he's he's not a um, he looks like he 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 doesn't work a ton like Samuel L. Jackson per se, yeah, right. Like you you go start looking at his list, there's like gaps in there with like years where he doesn't actually he's not doesn't have any sort of film credit. Well, he was also a professor at at Stony Brook, I think, for a while. It's um, impressive, so, actually, and yeah. I mean that. I mean, yeah, I mean this like impressively. Like he, he's, he's has other interests or he does other things. I know, isn't he? I think he's a very uh, uh, environmental conscious person. Yeah, he's a big science guy, as I said. Um, he science guy, right? He's. Uh, I mean, you also have to re- remember he was he w- starred and directed on the longest running television show at its time. I think two hundred and fifty plus episodes of Mash, like. The guy has incredible timing, but he, but as a and now he's got a very successful podcast. It's impossible to listen to because the man Ooh. just smacks so incessantly. Like I just, it's old people talk, and it just, it's <laughs> oh, like oh, it's like it's like counter that's ASMR. It's yeah. like whatever ASMR there is to make you not feel sexy or whatever. Like it's Alan Alda, <laughs> believe me. Like Alan Alda. Oh, and, did Alan Alda. Weaver listen to Alan Alda's podcast? Oh no way! He's never even heard it. He's never even heard of it. He doesn't listen to him interviewing, you know, important people. And besides, people. it's not like we're talking about like James Cromwell here or something. No, or jo- Josh Groban. Like, we're, what are we doing yeah. here? Like, this is this is. I I think we've said as much as we need to say. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. This he's up there. He's got to be older than Sergeant Slaughter. Like he's, you know. Oh, he's in his eighties. He's uh, he was born in thirty six in Manhattan, New York. He's also. I think he's 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 an Oscar away from an EGOT. Um. Which is impressive. Go back and look at early Alan Alda as well. He's a very attractive young man. A very attractive young man. Uh, so yes, RJ, you you don't get to you don't get to own Alan Alda. All right, we all yeah, he, yeah. he's an um, 
he's a, he's a dream come true for everyone. He's a breath of fresh air. I remember. I have a memory. One time, I was a we uh, went to an engagement party, um, and there was a bunch of couples that went, and everyone was in different hotel rooms, like getting ready, and uh, and uh, I te- get a text from Eric uh, Alvarez, um, who I've mentioned three times on the show already, and he was like. What you doing? And I was like, watching MASH. And he was like, what channel? And we just sat in our rooms, independent of each other, and watched MASH. That's how, that's how, I mean, that's generational right there. That's a guy in his 40s and a guy in his 30s watching a guy in his fucking 80s on a show that got canceled in like 1981. Like, come on. That's Alan Alda, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's, just, mm-hmm. let's just call it a day. Yeah. All right? Let's call it a day. We love you, Alan. The other thing we should call the day on is... Uh, probably the NBA season, Chris. Um, where this is the weirdest, the, the weirdest segue ever. But uh, we had a bunch of NBA notes today. I, they're not probably relevant at this point. Like, I mean, it went from yesterday writing notes about the NBA to today just basically scratching those notes out. Um, I would, pro- I think that LeBron has spoken. They're probably going to cancel the season. The bubble has burst, uh, and, uh, and so really like talking about the games themselves is pointless, um, well, it doesn't mean we can't talk about coaches. <laughs> Wait, before we do, though, I just want to say, like, I didn't, I didn't sort of expect this or see this sort of coming no way. as a possibility of staging, like, uh, it's not even a protest, right? It's, it's, it's a, it's a walkout. It's a boycott. It's a, it's it's a, a strike, boycott. I guess. I was so frustrated last night when I, ESPN kept calling it a, a po- they kept saying it was a postponement. Yeah. Like the NBA's postponed games. I'm like, no teams have boycotted. It's a boycott. Yeah. It's not a postpone. Like, like ESPN, because they're so afraid that they're not going to get their Thursday games that they're like calling it, po- they, they're, oh, they've postponed. Yeah. And, this whole it was amazing to me to watch the watch it sort of unfold because I actually even turned the game on at four o'clock. It was going to be the Bucks Magic. You did, yeah. And I was like, oh, and I, not realizing what was what was already sort of taking place and happening. And then I was like, wait, that's weird. They're not like playing the game. And I kept going back and forth because my wife wanted to watch the Yankee game. And then all of a sudden I start realizing it like there was like there was no one on the court. And then they were, they were just like in the studio and like talking. And I was like, wait, something's going on. So I like I turned the volume on. I was like, oh crap! Like this is this is happening. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. Like th- I'm. Like there's for a long time, I've always sort of had this sort of love hate relationship of of understanding sort of like protests and what they mean, and and their effective effectiveness and stuff on it. Um, because I'm always like I think I was always more in the line of like, well, this isn't directly relating or causing anything. Like, you, it's not really doing anything. But I I since have kind of come around and learned I think that this actually, you don't need a direct cause from this effect. Um, but there's a show of strength here and support with, within each other and a group of people who are, um, you know, for a f- whatever, a few different reasons there or whatnot, but people are coming together and they're, and they're supporting each other instead of just taking like a knee on a flag and like some people standing with them or, you know, with their arms on the shoulder, like the NFL guys do, which is a nice thing too, but they don't want to kneel. Like the whole teams have gotten behind each other and rallied around each other. And then it went to, the WNBA started doing it, and then for the, the I I can't even imagine like three, at least three teams, and and baseball did it. Yeah, like that was to me that was like the huge leap. That well, like, the, 
Well, here, let's stop right there real quick because I think that it's important that though this sort of seemed to have started with the NBA and Milwaukee, which makes perfect sense because the most, yep. the most recent... The most recent hor- horrific act uh, occurred in, in, in Wisconsin, so, that, so it made sense in the moment. And then it sort of had a trickle-down effect. And I know that the Celtics and the Raptors were both talking about boycotting their game on yeah. Thursday. But let's, right. not, let's not overlook or just quickly jump past like the WNBA. They, were, they, were, they canceled their shit like, immediately. They, are, they, they continue to be such a, an amazing league yeah. Yeah, like the the right. WNBA, like it seems to me, is like the NBA in a bubble. Like the WNBA acts as a unit so much clearer mm-hmm. and so much better, even when they're not all trapped in the same city. That's what I think is so interesting about this is like having these NBA players <clears throat> all having immediate access to each other with no distractions or no travel mm-hmm. or no distance between them mm-hmm. show just how impactful and powerful it is to keep people together have them talking having this open dialogue and being able to like act this quickly and 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 you with you with a unified front where i don't know if they would be able to outside like this this went from like a single team saying they're not coming on the court to the probable end of the nba season and the wnba not just followed suit but like was there in lockstep and then Yes, now you, to your to your MLB point, a league that doesn't have a bubble, um, but does have or a, a lot of or a lot of like black or or I mean they have a lot of you know Hispanic uh, or players of that origin, right? And ethnicity, but it it to to do this and and the one that I you know Seattle did it was only because I think from what I understand is they have like the most if not like uh, at least eight or nine players who are black and and so it sort of resonates with them a little bit more as a team maybe they have a little more sort of power within themselves to sort of to sort of amplify their voices on a team but then for like i believe uh whoever they were going to play and a couple other of the teams you know kind of joined in and well milwaukee uh, the brewers quick quickly quit of course like that was gonna yeah of course they had to right like their milwaukee was good like if they played, that would have like sort of diminished what I it just would have been a bad look. So I was excited Probably when I saw have. that happening. And then today right. I heard that the Islanders are considering calling it quick quits, which it also sort of speaks to like geography. Like yep. a New York team is going to quit before like Montreal quits. Right. Yep. I mean, like it's I just, it's just yep. that yep. hockey is hockey's can hockey doesn't have any black any black players like there's one there's or two so it's a it's just a different it's a different racial makeup so it definitely impacts differently that being said i wouldn't be surprised to see if that they're they but they were, were doing they were you know they were sort of taking knees before games before when the season resumed and like so they were getting involved right and yeah you know, like nascar like there i'm not sort saying of, that they're any worse for it i'm just saying like it's a different right at this, no, no, at right. this I, I know. on august I 27th at 10 a.m we're looking at like a the landscape is sort of NBA's probably done. WNBA, I guess, would probably be done. And then MLB, oof, that's going to be a tough one. They have a terrible commissioner. Like, that's just a, that's, that'll be interesting. And then I think, I think you're right. I think NHL, uh, other sort of more, more like a, what's the word? They're I'm trying to do a few things, right or wrong, you yeah. know, whatever it is. They're, they're, they're actually doing, trying to do something, right? And, and they're trying to, they're, they're trying to show support in some ways and, and, and right, you're right. There's a, there's a bit of a cultural gap there or whatnot in, in, in sort of maybe realizing and understanding or the necessity to do these things. But I, I feel like it's what I'm really proud of though, is, is the sense that, yeah, we, we had this like two months ago, right. And this, this huge protest 
tests and these big demonstrations outside in all of our cities across the country. And it went on for a really long time and it was amazing to watch and, and, and awe-inspiring. Right. And we all kind of sat back and we're like, like we all need to sort of make changes here and, yep. and think about these things differently yep. and make, make, you know, conceited efforts. And, and, and then it, everything kind of died off a little bit and it, it felt like everything was kind of going back to normal, just a little bit, but not that everything, not completely, but everything just kind of died down a little bit and that, that intensity died down. And that's, and that's usually the way things go. But so for this to kind of all of a sudden just explode and jump back up in everybody's faces here and not let this sort of momentum seed and and totally fade away and and you know sort of take back and the for the players to actually stand up and sort of take this power within themselves and and not wait and i, I saw like people are trying to say like oh the, the the league made a decision to postpone the games and stuff nope these are the players yeah the players refuse to come on the court and yeah. play basketball games yeah. they all got together without the nba office uh people or whoever you want to call them i think they even like told the coaches to stay out of their their meeting for a little while at some point, they brought the refs in, I guess, for whatever reason. I, I'm not clear on that. But, like, it was the players and the players alone. And you could see there's videos of, like, Chris Paul and Westbrook, like, meeting in a hallway with with league officials or, or team officials or something going, like, this is what's happening. This is what we're doing. Like, get out of our way, basically. And I thought it's just so empowering that to see those sort of images and stuff and, and to see the care and the thought and 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 the, the emotions behind this, not letting them themselves sort of um, – uh, sort of just sort of move, keep moving forward without sort of taking the stand. I, it's incredible. And I'm, I'm for that. And for all these people, for the WNBA and the women who, who are, like you said, have been leading this cause more so on a regular basis, on a daily basis, probably than any other sports league is it's just, it's really inspiring and, and, and powerful to, to watch and, and, and sort of take, um, you know, sort of take that, you know, and, 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 hopefully the rest of us can kind of, you know, sort of help move it forward. Well, I would say this, I, I, um, as, as sad as I am to see NBA go, if that's the case, um, this is the best outcome in my, mm-hmm. in my book for this mm-hmm. season. I, uh, for them to cancel a season, to really use their, to use their platform, to use their fame, to use their eye, the eyes on them, mm-hmm. to throw everything like, to show that this is the most important thing, more important than money, more important than a game. Uh, and for them to do that as players and executives to not be able to like take on that kind of action for, mm-hmm. for this to be like, this has to be people that are playing a game that have a, a one in a million chance to be good enough at a single sport to make a, a career out of it. Put that on hold for social unrest is, is or because they feel social unrest is important. Also, you know, I, I'm sure I haven't seen him, but I'm sure DeMar DeRozan is out there right now. Like, I'm sure mm-hmm. he's already being a- active as the mm-hmm. as the Spurs are out of the playoffs. And that's got to hurt players who want to be active as well, who are sort of trapped in a bubble. It just if, if you know, like yep. you yep. could put the it. I wouldn't go as far as to put it a, like a, a parallel to a cage, but it definitely feels trapped. It's It's imprisonment for a game. And if their hearts aren't in it, if they don't feel like they're if they're playing for something that's that if they if they don't feel like they're getting more eyes on the game itself than just by not playing, then don't play. Like just mm-hmm. don't play. Let this be the message. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. let let this be the message. On the same night that Mike Pence is saying that there needs to be more law and order during the RNC, <laughs> you know, in the same fucking night, like <sighs> just know 
sense of the world around them, calling for more law and order in the world. While one of the one of the biggest sports leagues is refusing to play because of that law and order. It's just insane. I'm I'm a you know, I don't want to talk about it too much. It's not um I just I'm glad we are talking. I'm glad we're saying something. I, I, it would be crazy if we went on the show and we're like taking like a different take. If we were just like, yeah, I don't know, they should play. Yeah, what the big yeah. deal is? I mean, I think I think that the the severity's there, and I'm proud of yeah. them because honestly, I didn't see this coming and coming, and that's what's that's my complacency, right? Yeah. Like you right. said months ago, we had this huge movement. We couldn't even do a show. We were so shook, we couldn't do a show. Yeah. It happens again, and we're like writing notes about like are the Bucks in trouble? Right. And meanwhile, these players, especially black players, obviously, they, they feel that same pain again. And we have to be taught that pain. And if this is what's teaching us that pain, then good, like a sacrifice, right? I mean, a sacrifice of not being able to go on fucking fan duels and waste fucking money. Like it's a, a tiny sacrifice. So it's definitely pointing eyes in a direction. You know, it's, and hopefully people will listen instead of just, Look, you know, that's what I'd like to try to do. Um and I I you know, I don't I didn't see Kenny Smith walk off air. I didn't see but it sounds like it was it was powerful. You know, I I don't know. I I I just feel like what what I'd like to see from this NBA season isn't just a boycott, isn't just the cancellation of a season, but somehow their message still being echoed through. If it's LeBron that takes the fucking lead, so be it. If he is the person mm-hmm. that the world will listen to, that's a heavy weight to put on his shoulders. But I want this message, especially if the season is canceled, to, to resonate throughout what have been the rest of the playoffs and the championship and the election and into the NFL season. Like this, it, it just, we, we forgot about this movement so quickly. And I am the first person to admit that I was a part of that. You know, I, this is not, this is not a fad. Black Lives Matter is not a fad. It's a statement. And it's an important statement. And it needs to resonate longer than 15 fucking minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, maybe, maybe it, and maybe it will. Uh, and I'm hopeful it will. And, and like even now, it, it seems like there's stories coming out with like football teams are, are starting to talk. The players are starting to talk. They're taking notice of the NBA. They're going to start showing their power here a little bit more. Um, th- you know, I think that that might have a sort of a bigger effect uh, on the community at large in cities and around uh, the country. It's, it's like sports and, you know, there's a, there's that sort of saying that like sports has a big impact on the rest of the, on the rest of the world um, or something to that effect, but it's, and it's true. And it, it it's unfortunate that maybe sports has to be that has to carry that burden as well. Like you were saying with LeBron. Uh, but if again, like someone like LeBron though, like he, I think he has the shoulders to, to do this. Right. I think he, if, if there's anybody that can and, and could do this and should do this, it, 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 I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'd be very happy if, if it was him necessarily. Yeah. Cause I, well, I, I think, um, he up- has one of the biggest loudest voices, uh, that can carry, um, and, and carry a lot of weight. And, um, you bring a good point just, with, with, with the sort of the popularity of the NBA, because I think that something that started like the season before coronavirus was, you know, the NBA's the NBA's relationship with China and you look at like other countries, the, basketball is a universal sport. It's an, it's an American sport that resonates universally. Like I think soccer, which is not an American sport resonates internationally, mm-hmm. but, but baseball has pockets in the world, you know, Latin America, some, you know, some Asian countries, but mm-hmm. 
there's so many eyes on the NBA. You've got so many countries that focus on the NBA. And when they're seeing this, they're seeing what's happening in the United States. And so there hopefully is some sort of global pressure as well. You know, like that's a message. It's a message to China that like the, that the United States is disjointed and that we are, we are, we are completely fucked up in the way we treat our people, the way law enforcement treats people. Like we're not a perfect country. Like it's nice that the NBA can sort of show that like put a microscope on the United States in that way. So that countries like China, the Philippines, Israel, like all of the, all of the Euro leagues that, that watch the NBA are like, why aren't these players playing and can learn about how fucked we are here? You know, like, I think that that's important. I think that having global pressure to be a better place is, is can only be good. That's my opinion. Yeah. I agree. Well spoke. Well said. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I don't know. See, you didn't let me just do my fucking my little Sorry. my little pivot, and now it's deep, and now I'm like everything's heavy. I feel bad like talking about anything. Uh, oh God. Um, whew. okay, man. Do, do can you believe like 20 minutes ago we were like laughing hysterically? Um, <laughs> turn on a dime here at Not for Nothing. We will turn on a fucking dime. Uh, so yeah, let's just leaving, leaving the current state of the NBA off the table. Um, there have been some big coaching moves. I think it's worth mentioning cause they're pretty crazy. Uh, the Knicks, the Sixers obviously fired Brett Brown. Uh, I don't think anyone was surprised by that. Uh, what was sort of surprising was that, uh, the Sixers, like the Sixers team all kind of like shit on him on the way out. Like there was. What, that, that's what, not surprising. What people? That, that, well, what I think that's. I just don't think people. I I feel like it's not typical, right? Is it, it? Like I think everybody sort of, as as the team was crumbling, it was like Jimmy. You'd send me things like Jimmy Butler hated playing with him. Like all these players kind of hated playing under Brett Brown, but no one, as far as I can tell, like defended him walking out the door. There's there's um I, I started reading. I was actually funny because I started reading a lot uh Sixer stuff in the last week or so. And yes, you, did. you sort of get a little bit of both because you get some people who sort of really follow the team or report on the team and were like, this guy, like, I mean, this guy wasn't probably really supposed to be there past year three or four, technically. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's even a part of the story that were like, they, you know, Colangelo brought in D'Antoni as assistant head coach with the idea that he would be promoted uh, after a few years. And once Brown kind of helped develop the team, and whatnot, and then D'Antoni would take over and stuff. So, and there's a lot, there are a few people. It's not a big, it's not a big contingent of people. I don't think at all. I think you're right to that degree is that, but a lot of people said, you know, Brett Brown sort of weathered the storm and sort of, you know, kind of kept that ship aligned for as long as he probably could and, and, and longer than he was probably meant to be there even. So I, I think he dealt with a lot from the, from the front office to the players, to a lot of things that, you know, this wasn't all his fault. And I think that's the main takeaway here is that more to your point is there was a lot of there was a lot of PR playbook going on here like throwing all the blame on Brett Brown on his way out the door so the rest of the team looks good and right. I think that's a very team thing to do in any sport well is because you're like hey we're getting rid of this guy for a reason we have to tell you because the rest of us are still here and we're not going anywhere right. so we have to you know make ourselves look you know kind of as, as good as possible here for our fans and whatnot to make make sure that you keep coming back to us I mean I uh, listen I've I I defended Brett Brown for six of those seven years. I thought mm-hmm. he, I thought he navigated. I thought he navigated the the process well. 
I thought he raised players to become good. Like he was good at raising players to become good NBA players. TJ McConnell's not in the fucking NBA without Brett Brown. Yeah. Dario Saric is not in the NBA. I don't think because of Brett Brown, like he, he helped develop, he made Bob Covington into a potential all-star. Like he at least made him valuable. Like there, he gave Ish Smith a second life. Like there, I think players like Nerlens Noel played well under him. Like there, there was Brett Brown. Like was is not a bad coach. He just, I think that the players that were built around him were players that he just could not. At, at a, like Ben Simmons is a tough player to play with to coach. I'm sure Joel Embiid is a tough player to coach. It. I'm sure. And I think that yeah, you're right. The sort of there was, there wasn't a there there. The sweep was the team giving up on him. The sweep was, was him. It was was his exit. That was him getting. Yep. And the thing that's gonna always stick with me, and it's gonna hurt my feelings throughout, is that in the last minutes of his last game coaching the the Seventy Sixers, Tobias Harris gets foot dragged by fucking scumbag Jason Tatum and lands on his head. And then the next thing you see is Brett Brown over there, like rubbing his back, like a the way like a youth soccer coach would for a kid that just like got you know slide slid slide tackled like his compassion for players is there his love of the game is there he's done the nick nurse course of like working your way through like an international league through g league i'm not any any coach under popovich like he he's and he was handed a team that he was supposed to tank with there's i i don't have ill will towards brett brown brett brown was never gonna do it with this team they had made up their mind that they were built weird this year and if he had a part to play with like what kind of players he wanted he got the players he wanted and he couldn't do anything with them so it was time to move on and that's just sort of how i want to leave it with brett brown i'm not i'd like to see him coach some i'd like to see him coaching somewhere else i'd like to see him be successful in fact i mentioned to you when indiana fired nate mcmillan like wouldn't that be a great coach swap like brett brown gets reunited with tj mcconnell gets a team that like is super coachable um needs maybe a, a breath of fresh air but it's probably why they got rid of nate i can't see why else maybe his playoff record i don't know he's i think he's an incredible coach and fucking players love him and i would love to see him in philly i think that's the, that's the coach swap i would like to see i when you first when you first brought it up to me and i was like yeah that's great because i love mcmillan too but for reasons because he was a sonic and he's yeah. been a pretty good coach even with portland back years ago um, the, the one, you know, and you're right, he was, he's three and 16 in the, in the playoffs, which isn't great. And that's, I'm, the more I, I started digging into it a little bit more and I was like, I'm curious, why did they fire Nate McMillan? Cause they, I think they've overachieved almost every year 100%. as a play, as, as a, as a Pacers team, except for they, every time they make it to the playoffs and they, they sort of lose in the first round, like four, yeah, but they years. fought, but they fought, they fought like Cleveland, a really good Cleveland team really hard. Yep. Like I don't, they, yep. they might've not right. gone down swinging this time. But I think that they they got they there without injured, any. Right? So they didn't they have, have Sabonis. They did basically didn't have Oladipo. Like, yeah, and they did. Lamb, they, I think they didn't have. They lost a lot of play. Sport. Like they had, did. They have a uh, Bogdanovich. Like I feel like they don't they have one of the Bogdanoviches. No, I think he left after. Uh, yeah. So with Utah. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. So they. But, they, but here's here's the thing about McMillan. You start digging deeper. I, honestly, I I I think. Brett Brown and McMillan almost might be the same kind of coach. Okay. Uh, and that's where I think he doesn't even get an interview with 76ers. Cause it, it, I'm not, and I don't, the hard thing to, to kind of judge and evaluate Brett Brown on is like one, he's not a one for sure. He's not a good, very good X's and O's kind of coach. Right. 
Um, and two, like, I don't really know what his offensive or defensive sort of philosophy and style are, right? Because he's had sort of, he's had to sort of force these players into whatever the system is, right? And I don't know if he's a, if he's an offensive minded coach or if he's a defensive minded coach. I, yeah, Brent Brown. He's so here. I don't either, and I've been watching it for seven years. I, right. I, I think what's interesting about him, he does seem to be able to transition players. What I always found frustrating about him is, is like he could never drop a good play after a timeout. Like, yeah, it every play just fell to shit. Like there was, yeah. it was like either too many passes or too simple. I couldn't tell. Like I couldn't tell right. if he was just like get in there and fucking figure it out. But like there was rarely a play rarely a play out of a timeout that scored points you watch nick nurse you you, if he calls a timeout they're gonna fucking score like that's that's an automatic two like that's 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 the one thing i love about brad stevens as well too is he really draws up good plays especially out of bounds plays sets people up gets the ball into the right place whatnot and that's part of the sixers problem too though is that they didn't really have the guy until they had jimmy butler they didn't really have the guy to put the ball in their hands to make that play either right like simmons hasn't been that guy yet he could be but he hasn't come that you know with especially with not really shooting from outside you know and b you don't really just sort of give a seven footer the ball to like create a play that's just not really going to happen so he was they were sort of stuck in that sense but more to my point though is, is mcmillan is a defensive kind of guy who has been accused of in the past and now currently with Indiana. And one of the reasons, and I think it was even in their press release about his firing from the, the general manager or whoever it was, was saying that they have sort of had uh, differences in philosophy now, right? And mm. McMillan is sort of, is, is more of a, a traditional sort of old school style offensive guy. He, his, you know, his critics are, are like, he hasn't, he hasn't kind of come up with the times here now or, or adjusted to the times and more uh, present day offensive philosophy and shooting threes right he was i think he was in the like the bottom five in the league of like three-point shooting attempts or something right and so uh and and that's fair because that was his i think that was his his criticism in portland as well and so he hasn't shown to be able to adapt and and sort of change that either and he he has a philosophy and sticks to it now he's somewhat successful at that but i think that sort of limits maybe it limits him uh to having sort of further success into the playoffs and doing that kind of stuff putting him on the sixers though like i you know, I wouldn't hate it. I'm just not sure like they're gonna sort of get any farther than they did with Brett Brown. Okay, so let me put this on you. Who would yeah. you like to see the Sixers? Chris, take? I'm glad you asked me that. Okay. Uh, here's my idea, and I and I sort of brought this up to you too about the old D'Antoni thing. As I just read that in one of the like athletic articles, is that you know there was a connection there with the with the with the team with the front office for the most part, and that you know hiring him as Brett Brown's assistant, which is another weird thing, is like they forced. D'Antoni onto Brett Brown. They never gave Brett Brown really, I think, a legitimate chance here all around. Like swapping in, you know, the process for Colangelo and then for Elton Brand and like keep changing things here and there. So that that's a whole nother unfair thing about Brett Brown that I appreciate that he kept trying to battle through and 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 deal with as a coach there. Right. But D'Antoni, I don't know if it'll actually work or not with Embiid and and the, the offensive system that D'Antoni runs, but defensively i think sixers are there to sort of cover and make up for his de- his defensive deficiencies as a team and as players all of those guys who you know who are good defensive players already naturally that offensive system i'm not sure like i'm sure d'antoni can make it work and he can kind of redefine those guys and sort of find make sure make those, a lot of those guys more offensive minded players which is i think is a big need so it, it would be intriguing at least to see d'antoni as a sixers coach Ugh. but 
He's so old. I don't. I know. I don't love it. I don't love necessarily love his style and and the whole thing. And I, I feel like he's limited when coming to the playoffs as well. But but it, there's a different dynamic there that maybe maybe he unlocks uh, Ben Simmons in a whole new way and sort of becomes a. Uh, a version of of Harden, but it's sort of a better version of Harden. I mean, I think so, you got to get more complete, well-rounded version of Harden. You'd have to get rid of Embiid. I don't think Embiid and D'Antoni could play together personally. Probably not. I, I don't think Embiid could kind of keep up with the pace and the, and the style of play and whatnot. Um, but it'd be intriguing. Maybe maybe he likes that. Maybe he likes a little more wide open stuff. You know, he doesn't mind stepping out away from the basket a little bit. But right, there's so many competing things here too that it makes it kind of hard. I think. What yeah. I would say though is, after all these years of of sort of not thinking that to go that way is like go hard after Jay Wright now from Villanova. Yeah, that's that's he. Like, you know, I've he, never been Jay Wright gets interviewed. In Jay Wright gets interviewed want, every year, and uh, it drives fucking Nova fans crazy. It does, and it drives me, and it's driven me crazy, and all this. But now it, he's been a long time there. He's he's won you know a couple championships now at Villanova in the last ten years. Like he's he's established this really great program stuff. But now. With the college sports kind of changing and the landscape maybe changing, there there might be a little bit more of a of a window here for Jay Wright to go. Hey, you know, I'm a little bit older. Who knows what's going to happen with college basketball and sports in general, and and that effect on like teams like Villanova and money wise and revenue producing and whatnot, uh, and especially with, now with the with kids now going in the next another couple of years about going to the G League or you know skipping college altogether. Like he might not be able to recruit like he once did over these last few years. It, there might be a little bit more thing there for Jay Wright to now to say like, hey, maybe I'll give this a shot. Right. But they have to give him and he has to demand the authority to control the whole organization. You mean fire Elton Brand? Fire Elton, yeah, whatever he wants to do. Fire Elton Brand, get rid of everyone else in the front office. He has I'm to have cool control with, I'm and cool then put with the that. people in place for him to help support it him. It sounds like crazy town, but I'm cool with it. I think I think for it's, sure. To me, it's, it's I always equate to this, this is the Pete Carroll philosophy, right? He came in, he was like, I want complete control. I decide who the, my general manager is because I want us to be able to mesh and fit. And then he hired, and he has kind of a say, uh, a general overall say in the structure, the whole structure of the organization. Yeah. So and it and it and it works, right? And some coaches can't do that because they want the actual power and control. I think Jay Wright would know who, you know, to, to sort of put in those positions to help himself succeed as a coach. But he he you know he's not going to be the coach, general manager. He's not going to make all the player acquisitions and stuff. But he I believe for some reason I I don't have proof of it, but I think he would be smart enough and and well rounded enough of a person to to realize that he needs to put all those other people in place to have a successful organization. Yeah, I. I like. I mean, that's who I want, right? Like that's, yep. Yep. that's who. That's that's where I would go. As far away, honestly, as far away from fucking from Tyron Lue as you could get would be. I mean, I just I can't imagine Tyron Lue in Philly. It would just br- <laughs> it would break my heart. It would absolutely break my heart. Um, what if Allen Iverson endorses him? Uh, fuck fuck Iverson. I, mean, I love Allen Iverson, but he doesn't get to say who's the fucking coach. Like. <laughs> Uh, I also like this dude. I don't know how to say his name right. Ime Uduko, Aduka, Ime Udoka. Uh, he's a he's a, a he's a longtime uh, assistant. Um, I think he assist it was a coach Sports. under under Pop. Um, he's a Sixers assistant. I don't know how the players like him, but he seems like a very smart young guy. Like I just don't want old D'Antoni. And Jay Wright would be great, but if we're being realistic, I think bringing somebody up. Maybe even Sam Cassell, like just give him a chance, you know. Like I don't know, is that the right move? Maybe, maybe not. But I think that 
a player a a, a, well i just think that like somebody who's like younger like 43 like that's a that's a and that that already knows these players like udoka does that could be the right move for the sixers i like i don't see like a kenny atkinson i don't see a Ty Lue happening like i don't i i just feel like something fresh and maybe i'm wrong but like i love kenny atkinson and and chicago that's where i want him to end up um that's that's sort of where that those are my, my one two is jay Wright and then ime and then and then to me it's a, like fuck whatever like i just don't i don't there's dude i don't see anybody that i really love outside of that also uh ime's uh lady friend is nia long so hello oh yeah yeah okay. uh-huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> Neil Long. Like folks. to see her sidelines of all the Me games. Me too. That's a that's a, that's Fizdale level hottie wife. Mm. That's Spo mm. level. Like that puts mm-hmm. you right up there with Spo and Fizz. Mm-hmm. Like you get Neil Long as a as a as a as a her girlfriend. And, uh, Jamie Gertz could battle it out on the NBA lottery picks uh, for good luck uh, oh charms or whatever. As Neil, they... <laughs> Neil would eat her fucking lunch. She fuck her up, man. <laughs> Neil Long is like, whew. she is a sex beast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah. So anyway, that's my uh, um, that's that's who I like. Yeah, you're for, right, for, and, you're, and you're right. There there isn't sort of a there, there there isn't a lot of great sort of choices. Um, at least established uh coaches with like excellent resumes and stuff, and that's sort of the problem here. To you're you're gonna have to sort of take a chance. On I mean, something. I'm gl- I'm grateful Thibodeau's already gone. I'm grateful that fucking Alvin Gentry is not available. Like I'm there's a lot of shitty coaches that 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 they could put. I mean, I'm terrified that we're gonna see like Mike Brown. Like I don't. I just don't want like the I don't want to see like uh like what's his what's his ass that played for the Lakers that coaches everybody horribly like the like there's just so many old coaches I don't want to see end up in Philly. That said, is there an old coach that you would like to see end up in Brooklyn? Um, I just yeah, all right, so. That's a nice setup. Um, so the, the, I just want to say, like these 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 Popovich rumors going to to the Brooklyn Nets are they're at least they're at least interesting to me, right? Because no one's saying actually that this isn't gonna happen, right? right. Normally they come out and there's like there's no way Pop would leave San Antonio, you know, all these things. They're, they're, everyone's everyone's really quiet about this for some reason, right? And it just makes me think that like and and he has he has a lot of connections there, obviously with the with the Nets front office and and people. Like it's like no one's flat out saying like Pop's not going anywhere. Pop's you know Pop's just going to keep coaching the Spurs or he's going to retire or something, right? Right. Like, like Popovich and Popovich isn't one to sort of talk himself anyway about these things. But you know, you would even think maybe he would even say something like, oh, "Listen, guys, enough with these stupid rumors or something." You know, like he's not he's not coming out with any of this. There there seems to be if there's a time where Pop's going to leave the Spurs, it, it seems like right about now, right? Where he's got a young, really young team that he could he could stick out for another five years. Or not, or just take one more shot at glory here, and and a couple more, you know, championship rings here potentially with a with a Nets team who has a big fan in both Kyrie and Durant. Yeah. Um, who basically is probably the most beloved and popular coach in the NBA uh, for a lot of reasons, and or garners the most respect at least as a coach. Uh, so it's just it's there's just seemed to, you know there's even a couple I saw something about what some of there was like uh someone's podcasts or like whatever they're doing like some of the former nba players talking with each other yeah you know even kind of going like you know what this this actually could happen right and it's we it's little things like that where it's not getting full-blown sort of press releases 
and stories, uh, you know, from everybody sort of talking about this to, it's kind of still, it's kind of on the low a little bit. And that to me is, is kind of a big, as big a sign as anything that this is actually a, a, a somewhat of a, a plausible scenario happening. And I, th- I think that's really interesting. And I'm, I think it's, I, I think there's some l- validity to it. To, you know, whether it happens or not, he might just go, you know what, listen, I'm, I'm not interested in moving. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm too fixed here. Or yeah. something. Fine. But, but to not sort of already come out and say something or make sure like the Spurs aren't even saying anything as an organization that have not that I've seen or found at least, which I think is also interesting too. Like they're, they're being very quiet about this too. So like everyone's kind of giving each other space on this, which usually means that there's something might actually kind of happen. I mean, I don't, I don't think it comes out of nowhere. I, I think that like, and it's been talking for months, right? It's Shams doesn't Shams doesn't make up shit up. Like this is like, no, <laughs> like that's, right. and that's sort what of I mean. where like, I go. He's not making stuff up, and it's been happening for months down the road. And it keeps the story kind of keeps popping back up every month or so. Yeah, and just a little rumor here, a little nugget there, and everyone, and you know, for the Nets, like they have to deny, you know, whatever and stuff. So, but I don't know, man. There's a there's a whole there's a big thing here that I'm just it, don't be surprised. And like within another month or so, especially if this whole season is is finished here now, and then all of a sudden Pop is the coach of the Nets. Yeah, I'm. Uh, there, uh, I think even Vegas has odds on it now, where it's actually he's like the the favorites now, which usually means a little something too that they have maybe some sort of a little bit of information somewhere that goes, hey, this is a strong actual possibility here. It would be great. I would love to see it. I would be so excited to see it. I think it would be, be the, so excited. And I would like to see maybe if the if it did happen that it might open a door for Becky Hammond, uh, mm-hmm. in San Antonio. That would I just would like. That's the main reason I want to see Popovich leave. I personally, that's, that's mm-hmm. me personally. I, uh, I would, I'd, I think that it would be, it would be just a nice transition for her instead of her like jumping to like another team and getting just demolished because there's no, she doesn't know the team or know the executives or know the players necessarily. Like there's mm-hmm. already a level of respect throughout the, the San Antonio organization where she could yep. get a job and get a chance and not be like thrown at the, you know, not to use another Fizdale example, but like, Talk about a shitty situation, you know, like that just was, he just got buried, you know, and I feel like that might happen to Becky Hammond as well. Um, my other coaching take, Kenny Atkinson, the Bulls, Chris, do you like it? Do you see it happening? Could it be? He, he either needs to go to, the, to Chicago or to New Orleans. Uh, two young enough teams where Ooh, he can New still Orleans. help them sort of yeah. develop. I know uh, we've talked about New Orleans before, but I do, that's makes makes perfect sense it, it's probably the two best it makes sense in the two best teams for him to kind of go to and and sort of help them develop and and both those teams need a lot of help i think with a lot of players and and sort of elevating them and and making them better overall and then and that's really the only kind of places he can kind of go yeah i like he's not going to he's not go, i don't think he's going to the sixers uh to kind of help them no and i, I don't we wouldn't want him i would i'd feel bad for him there I don't think mm-hmm. he's the right coach. That's not the right fit. He's also a bit of a hard ass kind of a guy, uh, a hard line kind of a guy too, where I think, you know, and that's where the kind of the nets kind of outgrew him and his voice and, and how he, uh, how he leads a team and whatnot. So I think it's, I think you kind of have to look to somewhat those younger, Here's younger kind of, teams, but then, you know, Chicago has had their problems with, with a coach like that before already. So uh, who knows? Here's my best case scenario. You ready for this? This is, mm-hmm. this is my coaching. This is right now. The coaching vacancies. Kenny Atkinson goes to the bulls. Pop goes to the Nets. Becky Hammond gets the job in San Antonio. Uh, Jay Wright comes to Philly, and then, and then I think Jacques Vaughn goes to New Orleans because I think he's good. Also, 
uh, can talk to those younger players. And he, I think he's going to be a great coach someday. That would be my ideal coaching landing spots for everyone. I smell a parlay. That's a five-coach parlay, Chris. That's incredible. <laughs> You know how much money you could win with that one? <laughs> that would be incredible. And it's really the only thing we could talk about gambling. I mean, I think that I think I don't God, I just don't want to talk about anything else anymore. Um, what do you say we just wrap this one up? Can I just I want to just finish with this real quick. Right? Okay. We were talking it better about not, college. It better sports. not be about the Mets. <laughs> okay. It's not. It's not. Okay, good. Well, hell with the Mets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about college sports. It's the, the, the dumbass NCAA football. Like yeah, released yeah. their AP preseason poll yeah. on, I, I believe it was on Monday. Yeah, they did. Now, normally, am I? Am I preseason I'm, polls are dumb. I, I'm just really. I, I just want to say in advance, I'm so excited to hear this because I can't understand what's happening with it. Maybe you can explain it to me. I can't either, and I think that's why I'm bringing it up too. I think we're <laughs> on the same page here. Is it so? Normally, it's a, it's a, it's a stupid thing they they do for preseason, and it's sort of um. It's it sort of gives them every team sort of an unfair advantage and a, and a sort of a, a bias since like you're in the top ten and if you lose a game it, you don't fall too far and it, it it there's it's it's pointless and it serves no purpose except for it just kind of gives those the better teams a, a leg up in, in in sort of the standings if you will for the rest of the season and it almost ensures that most of those teams will actually play for the national title or the playoffs or that whole scenario and whatnot. However. This season is just, it's like even more ridiculous than normal is because they included three teams in the top 10 who will not even be playing a game this season. Yeah, that's where I'm fucking confused. Okay, so that is, I, would, I kept reading it and the best I could come out up with was that like once this season starts, they won't have them in there. Yeah, so then they'll just drop them from the top 25? But then why... The idea. Yeah. So Ohio State, Penn State, and Oregon are all in the top ten. Yeah, and and it's like, but if they've already established this for at least two weeks or three weeks that they these teams will not be playing, those conferences will not be playing. That's like putting Prince in your top living best artists category. <laughs> like I don't get like it doesn't like until until like until we don't see him do a concert. I mean, hologram Prince. Yeah, hologram Prince could come back. Tupac's yeah. on there too. Yep. Yeah, yep. I don't. It's I. I guess maybe because it's so in flux that they're like, maybe guess, they'll come they back just, or maybe they're or, get, leaving the door open. I don't know. It, or maybe, maybe they leaving the door takes them that or, long or they to just vote. Want to be like, hey, listen, these, if, if these teams are playing, they deserve the recognition because they're so good that they should be recognized at least for the preseason list. And then, well, you know, they're going to be removed. But it just goes the, to show like how stupid college sports is. Like week one or two. It's like, it's like college sports is like, we're so like we're so like not irrelevant we're just so confusing and backwards and don't make any sense that we're going to put out a poll yeah. Yeah. that has teams yeah. that don't just exist so that so that done. people feel better like people are like college sports college football is corrupt the whole the the whole like playoff system is is corrupt like every it's true like they're voting in this is the same people that vote in like you know like whatever like alabama or whomever like with eight losses to still be in the playoffs like yeah of course this yeah. of course they're putting teams like it, I feel bad for like Boise State. They can't even get on like a fucking preseason like top twenty five <laughs> for teams that have said they're not playing. Like it's like right. oh we can't catch a break. Like give some other teams a pr- little props. The best thing about this though, I think I'll guarantee you as the season goes on, is that with e- even with all those teams not playing and won't be ranked, Notre Dame, who's ranked number tenth, I believe, will still fail to live up to their expectations and status <laughs> and suck. I mean, I think that there is something to the fact that that like. The NCAA, 
NCAA or the fo- college football doesn't want to show as many. Like I think Cincinnati made the top twenty-five. I think they don't want to show a, a a top twenty-five with just without their powerhouses in it. Like I and, and it just goes to show like how important those big those big conferences yeah. are to them. Yeah. They don't care about the right. little guy. They've never cared about the little guy. They care about yeah. the major. They don't make the money major for conferences them. exactly. They don't make money for them. So even in death, you still get to see. Penn State fucking up there on the fucking top 25. Like <laughs> pedophilia, cancellation of the season. Penn State doesn't matter. Penn State's gonna be there no matter what. <laughs> who who what's that? Uh, Hail yes. alma mater. Um Yeah, that's good. Let's end it on pedophilia. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Sound good to you? I think we just bookend our show. Yeah, might have. Might have. <laughs> <laughs> stick around for 2000 or episode 201 where we say goodbye to podcasting forever uh chris you have a great weekend all right you too all right and listeners you do the same peace Bye.